The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwire.org.
There's freedom in the name of Jesus. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Where the spirit.
Good morning, church. Wow, there's a lot of you out there. (laughs) Okay, in the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, it says this, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Okay, it's time for some audience participation. Finish this statement. Practice makes... Wrong. Practice makes improvement. Practice makes improvement. There's a man named Key Brian Hayes. He is a 26-year-old third baseman that plays for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Last year, he steps up to the plate in a key game, takes a swing, and crushes a huge home run. He travels the bases. He gets to home plate. Out. After they reviewed everything, it was apparent that Key Brian Hayes had missed first base on his trek around the bases in his journey for home. Now, if the statement holds true, practice makes perfect, then A 26-year-old professional baseball player has probably had hours and hours and thousands of hours of practice. And he should be perfect in running the bases. But he wasn't. Practice makes improvement on our journey to perfection. It's just like us with our walk with Christ. We are practicing in pursuit of perfection of Christ. Next statement, true or false, relationships and a relationship with Christ is hard. True or false? Wrong. Relationships are hard if one person is working. You know, if our relationship with Christ is one-sided, it is going to be very difficult. It is not going to be successful. We will not achieve perfection if He is the only one in pursuit of us, if He is the only one working at our relationship. Here's the problem. Success never happens in our comfort zone. If we want to be successful, if we want to be successful in our relationship with our one true Lord and Savior, we have to get uncomfortable. But that's not just true with our relationships. If you want to be successful at work, you have to get uncomfortable. If you want to be successful in life, you have to get uncomfortable because comfort means mediocrity. Comfort means the ho-hum, humdrum of life. I'm just going to stay where I'm comfortable and do the same thing I've always done. 
if you want success in your relationship with Christ, we have got to get uncomfortable. We have got to get used to being uncomfortable. So, how do we know that a relationship with Christ Jesus is worth getting uncomfortable for? He tells us, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. But how do we know that? Well, unfortunately, our world has put the title God in front of a lot of things. And they've put the title God in front of a lot of people. But of all of those gods, those small g gods, none of them, whether it be Buddha, Muhammad, anybody, none of them has offered to die for you to take away your sins. They say, if you do good, maybe it'll work out in the end. Do enough good to outweigh your bad and see how it shakes at the end. But our Lord and Savior, He didn't say that. He said, you can never do enough good to outweigh your bad. But here's the catch. Give it to me. I'll take it. And He took our sins And he took our pain, and he stumbled up that hill, and he took our sins on the cross. Nobody else has offered to do that for you or me. So, here's our responsibility. We have to die to ourselves daily. Because he died for us. And in our pursuit of our relationship for him, we have got to give up ourself. We have got to get out of our comfort zones. And we have got to work daily to achieve that perfection in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for being the sacrifice for us. Thank you for walking that painful path. Thank you for dying on the cross and raising again on the third day because in you we have victory. Lord, thank you for loving us enough to send your son to die for us. Lord, as we travel this week, Lord, let us get out of our comfort zone. Let us pursue perfection in you. Lord, we ask all these things in your holy son's name. Amen.
would Almighty God sit? I mean, we started this series a couple of weeks ago. We we're talking about this tabernacle and asked where would God live, and it was the you know we talked about the tabernacle. But where would God sit? What kind of chair would God sit in? Maybe he'd sit in this first one. It's called the Panda Banquet Chair. It is one of 25. Uh, this one is chair number 20, made by the Campania Brothers of Brazil. It's $35,000, and it's made of real life panda. No, 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 no. It just looks like that. No, no, no. There's only 25 of them. Um, okay, so it doesn't look that great. Maybe you, your tastes lend more to this direction. These are called the Kennedy chairs. You go, well, these just look like office chairs. Yeah, they, that's what they are from one particular kind of roundish office. Uh, these were chairs that were gifted from uh, Jackie to LBJ that Robert and Jack Kennedy set in in the Cuban Missile Crisis. They sold again in 2003 for $146,000. That's expensive office. But far and away, the most expensive chair is one called the Dragon's Armchair, and go ahead, you can, because it's hideous, all right? I hate it. It's ugly. 30, and it's far and away the most expensive chair in the world, $30 million. Somebody paid for that thing. It was made in 1918 by a lady named Eileen Gray. Uh, they say it doesn't really look like a dragon. It looks more like the dragon symbol in Chinese. I just think it looks like it should be in the dumpster, but that's just my opinion. Much in artwork has been about the throne of God. We hear that in Scripture. Where would God sit? Where would Yahweh, where would Creator God recline? Exodus 25 verse 22 will tell us, There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give the people of Israel. We're in this series called His Dwelling Place, uh, where we're looking at the tabernacle because it's coming. And yes, I know it's Resurrection Sunday, and we're going to talk about that a little bit too. But I want you to join me in Exodus 25. If you're on the radio, if you're uh, in the room, you're online, Exodus 25. And I specifically put it, put the, the verse where it's at, because it is right below an interesting chair. It doesn't look like a chair. But the top of the Ark of the Covenant is called the Mercy Seat. We're going to read in Exodus 25, if you'll join me there. I'm going to start in verse 10, reading from the New Living Translation. Have the people make an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, and 27 inches high. Overlay it inside and outside with pure gold and run a molding of gold all around it. Cast four gold rings and attach them to its four feet, two rings on each side. Make poles from acacia wood and overlay them with, with gold. Insert the poles into the rings at the sides of the ark to carry it. These carrying poles must stay inside the rings. Never remove them. When the ark is finished, place inside it the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, which I will give to you. I'm in verse 17 now. Then make the ark's cover, the Place of atonement, it says in here. Yours might say the mercy seat. Make that mercy seat from pure gold. It must be 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. 
Then make two cherubim, or angels, from hammered gold and place them on the two ends of the atonement cover. Mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all of one piece of gold. The cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover. With the wings spread above it, they will protect it. Place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give to you. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark. I will meet you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the ark of the covenant. From there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. Now, let's be honest. Most of what we know about the Ark of the Covenant